Thank you for tuning in to Splat Attack. This episode, we will be discussing the Rugrats episode, The Santa Experience, with special guest, RJ. If you are watching on YouTube, please hit the like button and subscribe. If you are listening on a podcast app, please leave us a review. It is Christmas time, and this would be your present to us. It's a very simple thing that just takes a little bit of time, but it makes a very big impact on our channel and helps us grow so others can find us. If you enjoy our content, please subscribe to our Patreon. We have live streams, bonus episodes, and more every month. And now, let's call the travel agency for a winter getaway. Not yet, but he's coming to town for the Rugrats Holiday Special. Tomorrow at 8.30, 7.30 Central, only on Nickelodeon. Dust off that tree and let's deck the halls. Welcome to a very special Christmas episode of Splat Attack, a 90s podcast that dives into the slime-filled past. I'm your bundled-up baby, Brett. And I'm your fat-free mall Santa, Alex. (laughs) And Brett, what are we doing at the Pickles residence this season? Well, we decided to pay our friends a visit once more to participate in a little gift exchange. Uh, They invited us to their mountain cabin to celebrate, so how could I say no to that? Well, it was very kind of them to think of us. And speaking of thoughtfulness, we actually chose this episode review topic today because it was based on a request from one of our previous guests. Indeed, you're right. Way back in episode 16 of our podcast, we had a guest join us for our very first Versus episode. And he mentioned a quote from this episode that inspired me to put this in our schedule this season. So it's it's good that we actually followed up and make good on our promise. Yeah, the five, last word... Five, five. They're, five, they're... five, five, five. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when Angelica did that, and she, she called the tire guy for the Santa experience. She's like, let me speak to Santa Claus. Yeah, that was such a fun episode. <laughs> before before we start reviewing Rugrats, though, uh, let me let me help Stu with the presents behind me. Um, ooh, this is an awfully big present. I can't even fit it under the tree. What is inside this thing anyways? Uh, now, if I remember Angelica's wish list, I believe that is a deluxe Cynthia beach house to me. Can I can I look inside? Ah! Ah! What's that soot-covered man banging on the fireplace glass? Can it be Santa? No, he's not sporting a beard. I, I actually think that that's our guest, R.J. McGee, who just came down the chimney. Oh! Wow! I, I did not expect him to... Enter our cabin that way. Hi, RJ. What uh, what brings you to our neck of the woods today? Hello, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you back. Thank you for being here. Yeah, I uh, you know, I enjoyed our um, previous episode that we did together. I know, kind of got real a couple times. <laughs> um, oh, sure did. <laughs> but I think this episode is going to be a little bit more peaceful and joyful uh in honor of the season that it's representing i agree this is a really fun uh rugrats episode and uh christmas episode in general so best rugrats episodes but it it's it's gonna be exciting to dive into agreed agreed (laughs) i'm looking forward to this one 
And Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Yeah. Merry Christmas to everyone. Merry Christmas to all you Slimesters. Happy Holidays to everyone who doesn't celebrate Christmas. And uh, thank you for joining us today on this very special occasion. Well, I hope you have your wish list prepared, guys, because Santa's coming to town today in this festive episode review. Let's jump in and see what's in store, shall we? Am I on the naughty list or the nice list? Naughty. That's a good question. <laughs> no, no hesitation. RJ knows what's up. He has an inside man at uh, at uh, North Pole headquarters. Alex, do you use the naughty nice thing with your kids? Not really. I mean, because, I mean, my son is so worried about Sam, obviously, is, is very worried about being on the naughty list because he's come up to me before. He's like, Daddy, I've been grounded a few times. Does that mean I'm on the naughty list? As long as you've learned from your mistake, have you learned? Yes. Okay. You're in good shape. Okay. So no, I, I try to stay away from, from that as much as I can because everyone's made, especially kids, made some really poor decisions and they've gotten in trouble at some point and I don't want him getting in that mindset of you know, mistakes are not okay. No, no right. mistakes are fine. Right. That makes sense for sure. That's good. Yeah. I, re I remember when I was writing wish lists as kids for my parents. I think they did that once or twice when I was really young, but when I got older, it didn't matter as much because they already knew I was going to be good. So it was mm -hmm. just a matter of like how much they can afford to fulfill my wish list because I had some pretty lofty items on there like uh, Lego okay. sets, Power Ranger Zords, uh, Surprisingly, very little clothing. <laughs> you got the um, the that Lego set that it was like you could make your own movies with it. Yes, yeah, I had that. I had that too. I wanted it so bad, but you get you can plug in the camera to the PC too, right. mm -hmm. and you can like edit it with their Lego Movie Editor. It's pretty fun. It never um, appeared under my tree, unfortunately. Oh, well, um, <laughs> we'll be we'll be sure to ask some questions about some of our Christmas memories when we get more deeper into this episode. Yeah, yes. Sure. Uh, but for now, here's some basic info for all you to enjoy, in case you really love stats. So the air date for Rugrats The Santa Experience aired December 6, 1992. It was season two, episode 14. And it was written by Jonathan Greenberg, um, Arlene Klasky, and Gabor Supo as well, and directed by Charles Swenson. And the title was originally simply titled Christmas. But I, I actually think it suits it better as The Santa Experience just because it gives it a a more unique feel and it, it really is about the kids interacting with Santa and changing their perception over time as we'll find out. It's crazy that so many of these Nickelodeon shows, the first time I was seeing them or when I was really appreciating them, they were like four years old. 1992, I was three. So I don't think I was really like, this was on my radar, but I still have such like vivid memories of watching this particular episode. So they must've really kept it in rotation. And they also had the VHS tape too, as well. That yeah, came out around got, that's a that's another story. I actually got that for Christmas one year. I just remember getting it, and the orange, you know, the the VHS tape was orange, and you know, we would pull it out at Christmas time every year, and I would watch it. I mean, this this episode has been a part of my life for a long time. <laughs> uh, I do um note a few trivia tidbits before we actually get into the formal synopsis because I, I found quite a few interesting things. So I do want to note that this is actually the first physical appearance of Charlotte in the series. Uh, before then, she was just only mentioned by name. And uh, she definitely comes out guns a and being very talkative. And uh, 
makes qu quite an impression. <laughs> she was a legend and an icon. You know how much I love Charlotte. She taught me to be a boss. The queen business lady of 90s Nickelodeon. Get it together, Jonathan. I thought that was really interesting that this was the first time we've ever seen her. And they do a great job including her into this episode. Yeah, it's like she's been around the adults the entire time in season one. We just haven't seen her. Yeah. God, the writing on the show is just so smart. Indeed. Uh, I do want to also mention that, uh, you know, the VHS tape that we mentioned briefly before uh, allegedly had a bonus episode included with it called The Blizzard from season three, episode 12. And it was released on August 30th, 1994, and also has been re-released with altered tape covers in 1996, 1998, and 2000 under the Paramount Home Video, Nickelodeon, and Sony Wonder labels. Uh, the original cover one is the is yellow with uh, Tommy holding up presents in Santa pajamas. So if you're looking for that and you love collecting old uh, 90s Nickelodeon VHS tapes, uh, keep your eyes peeled on eBay or wherever else you can buy uh, nostalgic merch online. And then, of course, this is the second half-hour-length episode of the series, the first one being Tommy's first birthday in season one. So they don't do it too often. They tend to do it with, like, holiday specials. Like, I know the Hanukkah one is full length i believe the passover one is too vacation uh dill being born stuff like that mother's day so it, it's like they're they're very intentional with writing these scripts uh for full length episodes uh when it and comes they to pack these. a lot of story into this episode like it's crazy that it's only 20 minutes long yeah there's a, there's a lot of plots going on simultaneously and somehow it all just weaves you know, seamlessly in between each other as we're going from one character to the next uh, throughout the course of what, a weekend, a week? Because it starts with, um, you know, a day. I mean, I guess we're assuming that this visit to see Santa Claus happens on the same day that she comes home and opens the presents that they gave her from the department store. Uh, and then that's when they decide to make the phone call to the travel agent. And she's Dee, Dee says something like, I know it's only a few days before Christmas. So, uh, yeah, four or five days at the most. Mm -hmm. And I assume they get to the cabin during the weekend or whenever Christmas Eve is. Yeah. And the way that the different storylines kind of meld together at the end and sort of resolve themselves um, in an interconnected way, I think is, is really well done. Be it, yeah. Because it doesn't feel like separate storylines. It feels like one family just celebrating Christmas together. Because right. this is what you get. You get people doing different things, but they're all within close proximity of each other that they blend with each other. And I thought that was a really well done. I agree. Yeah. Everyone has their own drama on Christmas. Every family has their different drama. That is true. But uh, because there's so many things going on at uh, family Christmas get togethers, it, it really feels natural and like you've lived it after watching this episode. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, Alex, uh, since my throat is a little bit froggy today after, you know, getting over a cold, would you like to do the honors of reading the episode synopsis for us? Absolutely, Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy being green. So for our episode, the story opens with an elaborate ornamental setup at the local mall. Tommy, Chucky, Angelica, and their fathers are waiting in line to see Santa. Chucky is scared to meet him, but Tommy reassures him that he's a friendly person. Meanwhile, an eager Angelica makes a break for the front of the line and throws herself onto the mall Santa's lap. 
She informs him that she wants a litany of presents, but most importantly, the deluxe Cynthia Beach House. But before the overwhelmed Santa can respond, Angelica detects he's not who he says he is. Immediately, Angelica tears off the fake beard, running away, warning all the families in line that Santa's a phony. Uh, do either of you have any memories of sitting in Santa's lap at the mall? Uh, I have a couple of them. They're kind of vague memories, but I'll do my best to recall them. One of them, I remember going to the Meriden Mall in Connecticut because that's where I lived as a kid. And I just remember that the mall Santa was like literally in the center of the mall where all the different alleys would converge where the, the tall center glass. Court, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, where like the elevator was. And there's just a massively two-story tree, Christmas tree that was there. It's like a real tall, skinny one with giant oversized uh, ball-shaped ornaments there. And I remember the line was like really long. It almost went out to like the shoe store past the, the center area. And I didn't understand why I was in line at the time. Again, I was like a, a toddler, so I, I, I didn't know what was going on. Just a lot of stimuli. Uh, but I remember being like scared, but also excited that I was with this giant man dressed in red with a white beard asking me things. And I just remember freezing up like, what do I say? What do I say? I want toys. <laughs> He's like, what, do, what would you like for Christmas, little boy? Uh, and I just couldn't think of anything, uh, to say. And quickly I said a super soaker and he's like, yeah, I'll have to fill a lot of those orders this year. And he just <laughs> set, <laughs> set me aside. I went back to run to my mom and like hug her legs. And I just started crying. Like, I don't know what I wanted for Christmas. Is he going to give me that now? <laughs> You learn pretty early on that just because you ask Santa doesn't mean you're going to get it, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't get one that particular year, but I did get a couple of super soakers a few years later. So maybe maybe just got caught in his sleigh somewhere or yeah. stuck in the back corner of his uh, factory where the elves work. I don't know if I have any memories of actually meeting Santa Claus. I actually do, but not at the mall. And the Santa was kind of similar to... Um, the Santa that Angelica meets because mm -hmm. the Santa that she meets like kind of tries to like hurry her along and mm -hmm. you know she can only tell him one toy that she wants and he has kind of a prepared you know um, spiel that he does for every kid and that just doesn't resonate with me you know and I remember that this one Santa you know kind of like trying to like hurry me along and I hadn't gotten through my list yet you know um but i've actually played santa claus a couple times um oh. on stage and um maybe i can send you guys a photo and you can you can include it um because uh yeah i've done santa a couple times i don't know if i should be flattered or not because <laughs> he's um large and old and you know i'd like to think i'm not either of those things but maybe i think i'd like to think you have acting versatility exactly exactly um but you know i love seeing santa claus at the mall you know something about a good santa claus this this guy wasn't particularly in a mall but uh the college i went to ret they actually had an interpreter because we were talking about sign language earlier sign language 
um, there was an interpreter that they nicknamed Santa because he literally looked like him. He wore red suspenders with the red shirt or or like white something to that extent, something Christmassy. And he had the long white beard and he was flawless at it. He just knew like every every word you can throw out in perfect sign language. Wow. And it it he looked so uncannily like the the illustrations and pictures of him over the years that I thought it actually was him for a moment, especially at holiday parties. My uh, the my I'm, I come from a really big um, extended family on my mom's side, and for a long time we had Santa Claus come to Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. uh, which was you know to find someone to come like on, to a party on Christmas Eve. So it was always a Jewish guy. I found out. Um, Interesting. Wouldn't be doing anything on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, you know. Mm. So um, that was always fun. Is uh, we would have a, a personal visit from Santa Claus on Christmas Eve. Uh, I, there were actually three things that I was wanting to point out. Uh, I don't know if I can play it or not. Probably not because YouTube likes to hit us with a copyright. But uh, you were just talking about Santa and uh, sign language, and. There is one scene in particular, regardless of how you feel about the, the remake, but the 90s remake of Miracle on 34th Street, there mm. is a scene where Santa is having to talk with a little girl who's deaf, mm. and he ends up doing sign language for that for, for her. And uh, I, I love the remake, and that scene gets me every single time, especially because much like we've discussed before, I have such a heart for children. And... Um, that breaks me every time. Hello, little one. How are you? Uh, Come. Well. Uh, she's deaf. You don't have to talk to her. She just wanted to see you. Thank you. <laughs> you are a very beautiful young lady <laughs> but uh, anyway uh to me personally there were two instances that i can recall uh dealing with uh, a mall santa and both of them stem from uh pop culture in some form uh every sunday night my family and i would watch america's funniest home videos uh back when bob saget was still uh hosting mm -hmm. all right peace and uh, there was one episode in particular where there was a kid who was talking to Santa and San and uh, he's like, what do you want? And the kid goes, Santa, you have bad breath. <laughs> Is that your sister or brother? Brother, you have bad breath. I do. And then I remember the very next year when I went to go see Santa, I was thinking of that of that kid, and I was wondering, is is he gonna? Ha I hope he doesn't. That was my priority that Santa doesn't have bad breath because I'm gonna be this close to him. And uh, <laughs> no, he he, it smelled like peppermint, probably because he did nothing but eat candy canes the whole time while he was trying to avoid that situation. But uh, I remember that. I don't remember what I asked for, but I remember uh, how warm and soft the costume was that he was wearing and uh then the very next year i remember seeing miracle on 34th street and i remember the scene where they were tugging on the beard the beard stuck on real tight <laughs> usually the store santa claus whiskers are too loose right yours look realistic that's because they are real you give them a tug <laughs> <laughs> then i was wondering if is that going to be a real beard or is that going to go full Angelica and rip the beard off? 
And um, I went to go see him, and I could tell the difference between you could tell the difference between a, a real beard and a, and a fake mm-hmm. beard because the way it goes into the skin. And I was, I was really, really close, and I was really looking. I mean, I was. <laughs> Santa was like, "What are you doing?" It's like just making sure your beard is real. Uh, real. I didn't want to pull on it. And he goes, "Oh, well, thank you. It's real." I said, "Thank you." But um, I was always told that they work for Santa Claus. They're not the Santa Claus, the main uh, one. Yeah, I was told that too. Yeah. And uh, much like RJ, I also had played Santa. Uh, and I played Santa in Elf Jr. because they didn't have uh, the, a kid to play the part of Santa. So, And I find it pretty fitting that the part where elf rips the beard off and and scares all the children is very reminiscent of what happens with angelica in this episode yes and this came first this this uh episode mm-hmm. came first. sure did by 12 12 years uh going back to the episode we cut to the inside of a present being opened full of toys. Angelica refuses to share them with Phil and Lil, how surprising, despite none of the toys being a Malibu Cynthia beach house that she wants more than anything. We track over to Stu, Drew, and Chaz, recounting the troubling mall experience from earlier. Drew expresses concern how the experience with the fake Santa might have traumatized Angelica, while Chaz mentions how he has never had a good Christmas experience growing up and wants better for Chucky. In the heat of the moment, the parents put their heads together and decide to rent a cabin for the holidays. Back in the living room, Angelica rummages through the box of department store toys, annoyed she didn't get anything she likes. One of the toys, a Reptar space helmet, is tossed over her shoulder. Panda Chucky warning Tommy about Santa Claus and the dangers he carries in his bag. Meanwhile, Phil mentions to Angelica he doesn't know what to get his sister Lil for Christmas. Angelica mentions that he can get her crayons for her coloring book, but there is a catch. He has to trade his Reptar doll for them, his favoritest toy. After a moment of thought, Phil begrudgingly agrees, knowing it would make her happy to have crayons to color her book with. Angelica walks away with the satisfaction that she scammed Phil, only to have a light bulb go off in her head to take her trade a little bit further. As for us, was there ever a time when you wanted something really bad from a friend and traded it away for something that you loved to get? I got taken advantage of by an older kid who made me trade him my G.I. Joe figurines for like some really lame thing, you know, that he told me was going to be really cool and it wasn't, you know. <laughs> That's the only thing I can think of right now. But I'll be honest, I always thought the toys that she got from the department store were kind of lame, you know, which mm. made me think that it wasn't really, it wasn't a toy store that they were meeting the Santa Claus at. It was like Macy's which would have, you know, a very limited toy selection. Yeah, know? it was just a regular department store. Yeah. So the toys that they have may not be, like, the top ticket, you know, um, toys that you would get at, like, Toys R Us or something. Agreed. Although that uh, weird-looking yellow troll bear stuffed doll thing with the purple hair looked interesting when she kicked it away. <laughs> yeah, none of them came in, like, any kind of packaging or anything. No. You know? It's probably whatever they could find to just 
keep keep her and her mom from suing the Santa. <laughs> yep. I mean, it was probably her dad that was with her. Um, what was at work, you know? Um, as for me, I used to have uh, a friend who lived in front of me in our neighborhood, and I'd often go over to his house because he had like the latest and greatest cool toys, and I always, I, I didn't often get things as soon as they were released. I had to wait or earn it through chores. Um, so there were times where I would like trade my pogs with him or like Power Ranger toys or even like Beast Wars Transformers. Um, and not knowing any better, I thought I was getting a good deal by giving him more things for like the rare thing I wanted, but it turned out not to be as rare after I talked to other kids at school. So I was like kicking myself, feeling awful being duped by this kid back in first grade. So that was really a real learning experience for me to not uh, give up your stuff just because you want something. I don't really recall uh, an instance in which I was uh, duped, but uh, I do recall a couple of instances of making trades and uh, they were with like movie trading cards and, uh, and with Legos mm -hmm. uh, of all things. But um, I used to have like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, the movie, the first one, uh, trading cards and Batman Returns cards and uh, several other movies. And uh, a friend of mine also collected a bunch of movie cards. And uh, then he was he had seen some of mine that he wanted and vice versa. And I didn't want to get rid of mine uh, just because I didn't have any duplicates of any of these. And uh, and but he was, well, I don't have duplicates of these either, but that's what you're supposed to do with trading cards. You're supposed to trade them. It's like, uh, OK, this is long before Pokemon was even a thing. And uh, so we we traded some and I was happy with the ones I got, but I was ha sad that I had lost the other ones and uh, never saw them again. But I just I remember that trading. I remember I remember that instance. And I don't really think that there was ever any like getting one person getting a, a deal over the other and uh and the legos uh my mom used to go to garage sales and flea markets and she'd get little bags and bags and bags of legos so even though they weren't a part of a set they were just random stuff and um uh, had a friend in junior high and he and i still built legos and he was moving and he had some rare pieces that i had never seen before and the other way around so we swapped some of them and um there's only one set that I had that I can't finish because I'm missing the doors because he took oh, those, no. <laughs> but that's, that's all right. Yeah, I, the, the castle doesn't have to have a door. It can just walk right in. There's, there's no defense for this, for this castle. It's uh it's like the Vatican. Anybody can walk in. It's open concept. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That actually unlocked my other mall Santa memory that I forgot where I, I, uh, well, he wasn't at a mall technically, but he was at like, um, like a, some sort of like hospital old folks home place. And I went there because I was with my grandma at the time. She was visiting a relative and I sat on his lap and I remember asking him for tons and tons of Legos, specifically the Aqua Zone themed playset because I was really into like marine biology at the time in like third or fourth grade. And I remember seeing the commercials and how cool the, the different submarines looked. So mm -hmm. uh, I... I I think I got one of them for Christmas at the time, but it was one of the smaller ones and not the bigger one that I wanted. Legos I, are really expensive. They they are, especially nowadays when like they have all these more complicated sets with their own themes and like you can build on others. It's like I saw prices at Target the other. It's like upwards of two three hundred dollars, and you yeah. know back in the nineties, I thought seventy eighty dollars was a lot for a set. 
Brett, I, I was just curious, but if we went back to 97 and did $80 then to what it is today, it's about $150 today. Oh, wow. So the Lego sets are right on the money. Yeah, they've always been expensive. Video games, too. Video games were like 60 bucks back then, and they still are. So at the yep. time, they were really expensive. And uh, just to, to point out uh, that this particular trade, uh, going back to the episode that Angelica was doing, where she was taking one present from the other in order to give to the other one, and, and they're taking the things that they want the most, th this is very much a, a parody of the 1905 short story by uh, O. Henry, The Gift of the Magi, which is something we see a lot in Christmas specials around this time of the year. Uh, I know that they had done this also in Twice twice Upon a... Mickey's Twice Upon a Christmas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure there are other examples. I just don't know any right now. I think there was one in The Simpsons, too, with like this little weird-looking troll doll. I'll have to look up the title of it, but uh, I think that's well, one when as well. When he sells his soul, it's sort of sort of a similar theme mm. you know yeah not not holiday theme but right right yeah he regrets the trade after doing it you know this show rugrats the literary um and film um homages that they make over the course of the series are just so intelligent you know um really is still a show that you know it's like they were making a show for kids that adults could also still enjoy. I mean, that's why Nickelodeon, you know, you guys have covered this on your podcast a lot. Why it was so successful is as kids really didn't feel like they were being talked down to, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. um, they were, we were being treated almost like as a uh, contemporary. And uh, I know that um, DJ McHale had said this in making Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I'm fairly sure it's a mentality that had stuck. But uh, to avoid a lot of backlash from parents about what was on these shows, they would often develop these episodes based on classic literatures. It's, you know, it's based on, you know, a Grimm's fairy tale or it's based on, you know, this classic short story. In Are You Afraid of the Dark's case, Laughing in the Dark was based off of The Golden Arm, and Midnight Madness was based off The Pied Piper. So mm -hmm. if you look a little deeper, you can see the roots of the original source through these these plot points. Yeah, they just, you know, in, in its heyday, you know, the creators that this network accumulated, um, you know, people that were just so smart um, and so creative, you know, and they gave them the platform to really think outside the box, you know, and do things that had never been done in children's television before. Well, going back to the episode and progressing farther with the plot, after we see Dee Dee fail to book a winter cabin on the phone, uh, we cut to Drew and Chaz wallowing on the backyard porch picnic table, wondering how to make Christmas better for Angelica and Chucky this year. Suddenly, they both have an idea and leap off the table. Chaz suggests that he can dress up as Santa and climb down the chimney, while Drew feigns interest with a fake grin, and Drew remarks that he had the same idea, but he wants to hire a professional to do it. 
While the two walk back inside, Chaz argues that he can do it. He's a great actor. He had been a tree in the school play. No, he said he was the lead in the school play, to which Drew had pointed out, you were a tree in the wind in the willows. I'm a good actor. Remember our fourth grade play? I got the title role in Wind in the Willows. Chaz, you were a tree. I was the willow. Yeah, uh, was, I was the willows. <laughs> I love when he says that's a great quote. But again, that's a good example of that's just an intelligent joke. Like I remember having to ask my dad, like, well, what's the wind in the willows? What is a willow tree? You know, that's just a great example of like an adult could equally find that as funny as a kid would. Yeah, I appreciated the joke a lot more actually looking up the book because I never read it as a kid. Right. But... I like the idea of these animals going through these adventures together. Well, since, uh, I mean, while talking about Wind in the Willows, was there any school productions or Christmas plays that the two of you had seen? I've been in a bunch. Um, and I try to avoid now doing Christmas shows because, you know, if you're in a Christmas show, you end up entertaining other people's family over the holidays instead of spending time with your own. Mm. Um, yeah, truth, truth there, Brett. But I, uh, I played. Well, I've done a year with Frog and Toad a couple times, and that kind of culminates um, on Christmas. Um, I mean, a year with Frog and Toad is the musical. Is it's a you know the whole year. It it's chronicling Frog and Toad and their friends throughout the year, but it ends on Christmas and has sort of a very Christmas message. And then, but my favorite one that I've done is Mrs. Bob Cratchit's Wild Christmas Binge, which is a um, sort of a SNL parody take on A Christmas Carol, uh, and where um, you know Mrs. Cratchit is you know a drunk and she's mad at the world, and I played um, one of the Cratchit children and we're just really big brats and you know. All we do is scream about what we want, and you know it's 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 um it's it's a fun it's a fun show. Weird, really weird, um, but you feel like you've like taken drugs or something, <laughs> you know. But um, it's a again, it's a parody of a Christmas Carol. Brett, what about you? Oh man. I, I wasn't really into theater or chorus or anything like that growing up. I was more into like uh, concert band and stuff like that. So I played a few Christmas shows playing like holiday songs. Um, I mean, that was fine. I, I always liked playing Sleigh Bell Ride because that had some few tricky parts that I would just noodle on with my alto sax. But uh, I never was in any Christmas plays. I, I was in a few school plays, but none of them Christmas themed. So kind of missed the boat there. What's your guys' favorite Christmas play or or musical? Oh, I was in I was Snoopy in Charlie Brown Christmas. I'll send you that. Yeah, that that one's my favorite. Uh, well, and and I will answer your question here in a minute, RJ. But uh, growing up, uh, I grew up in church, and uh, I every year we did a Christmas pageant, but it wasn't 
the Christmas pageant that everyone remembers. It was just a different modern day telling in some form going back to the Christmas story. But um, that was actually how I got my start into doing uh, different plays. But uh, whenever I became uh, an adult, I stopped doing all the, the, the church plays because they're all the same as much as I love them <laughs> and uh, started to get into community theater. And I had done a radio play of a Christmas Carol. Uh, I had played um, Bob Cratchit and uh, who is the other one at the very beginning? Um, Marley, Jacob Marley. And uh, also I had done Christmas Bells, which is a sequel to the play Dearly Beloved. And I got to play on that play as well. It's the only play I've ever done where they had the same cast for two different plays. And uh, the most, and I've obviously played Santa for Elf Jr., but the answer to RJ's question of my favorite Christmas play that I've done is a good old-fashioned redneck country Christmas. Oh, there you go. That play was hysterical and was the last show that I had done for a very long time until this year. And... um, was the second show where I got to work with my wife on stage. So that was fun. Yeah, there's a trailer park Christmas. I saw a Christmas story on Broadway, um, which I have some issues with because I <laughs> I think it works better. I think it just is more effective as a movie. Yeah. Not everything has to be adapted to stage <clears throat> or a musical. <clears throat> Sorry, I didn't hear you, Alex. What did you say? I said... Oh, am, am I spreading my cold to you? <laughs> no, no, no. We could, do a, we could do a whole movie musical or movies that have been adapted into musicals. And there's many of them that are Christmas movies that have been adapted into musicals. Honestly, I think the Santa experience would be a better musical than some of these other ones that we've mentioned. Now, Brett, I know that you had a note about Simpsons uh, going along with uh, with this point. Would you like to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny that I don't have any Christmas plays to fall back on that I did as a kid. But I remember being an avid Simpsons fan growing up with my late Aunt Joan. And this was one of the specials I first watched with her because I rented it on VHS with that like Simpsons Christmas VHS tape. Uh, from the video store and I remember being blown away by how different the play was in this Christmas special because I'd never seen different interpretations of Christmas from all over the world I just thought you know the American way was the only way due to my narrow perspective back then (laughs) but I really enjoyed seeing how like different traditions were like twisting the the narrative of Santa Claus or they had a different character replacing them entirely Um, I think Martin in particular the the Santa where he has eyes on back of his head or like Lisa, which was the Hawaiian tiki God who gave presents. Those really stuck out to me in particular. Is this and, the uh, same one where they meet Santa's little helper for the first time? Or... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the dog races afterwards. Isn't that the very first Simpsons episode ever? It is aired December 22nd, 1989. If I remember wow. correctly, I know wow. I I'm just slightly older than the Simpsons. Um, I remember, doesn't Homer go Christmas shopping and he buys like a, a pork chop, <laughs> like yeah, and a, toy. And a, and a, uh, a, like a notebook or like a pad of paper. And he's like, Bart could do a million things with this. <laughs> I mean, he's on a budget. He, he got a pretty meager uh, Christmas check for being a mall Santa who also got his beard pulled off by Bart. So common theme running, running around here back in the early nineties. And Bart, you know, got that tattoo and they had to spend their, um, 
Yeah. The savings that Marge keeps in her hair. Yeah, unfortunately. It was um he was supposed to get one like that typical heart that said mother, thinking that his mom would like it. But right. the tattoo artist only got to moth before she dragged him out of there. <laughs> uh but we could we could talk about Simpsons another time. We already covered them for a <laughs> Well, getting back to Rugrats and uh, just after Angelica and Phil's little exchange, continuing along with her devilish scheme, Angelica coyly approaches Lil to persuade her to trade her coloring book for the Raptar space helmet after helping her brainstorm ideas of what she could do for her brother for Christmas. After the trade is complete, Lil leaves the room and Angelica boisterously reveals in her success to making the twins miserable for Christmas. It's actually here where Angelica finally admits after two seasons that I'm bad, Cynthia, real bad. Cut to Chucky echoing her sentiment, but referring to Santa. Tommy is determined to convince Chucky otherwise by hatching a plan to capture Santa, much like Jack Skellington in Nightmare Before Christmas. The kids then gather around Grandpa Lou in his tall recliner to tell the tale of jolly old Saint Nick, a man who is more real than the thoughts and images of him in our imagination. Lou illustrates how Santa may be old, but is as sharp as a toothpick. Yeah. <laughs> so if you've been bad this year, he'll leave you something other than presents. He'll give you a great big ugly lump of coal to signify your low moral fiber. Chucky winces while Angelica, Angelica gulps. Grandpa reassures all the sprouts how they've been good as gold so they won't happen to, so this won't happen to them. Just then, Dee Dee interrupts to announce that they finally booked a cabin for their winter getaway. I just love how he's like, you won't get that doll you wanted or that fine-looking electric train. <laughs> it's just genius. Yeah, I love Grandpa Lou as a character. He's a great storyteller, and he has a lot of charisma in his interaction with the kids. One of my favorite jokes in this whole, uh, in all of Rugrats is, I'll call the travel agent and get a cabin. I'll go buy some lights and ornaments. I'll drink a couple of quarts of eggnog and fall asleep in front of the TV. <laughs> I love that part, too. Genius. Being real productive. <laughs> yeah. Coming back to uh, a quick discussion, what are some holiday traditions that you all had this time of year? It's been a while since my family has um, done any like holiday get-togethers because we're all separated around the country now. Right. But uh, from what I could recall in the 90s when we got together, usually my relatives would come to our house or we go to their house. We bring a ton of food. Everyone would bake something. Um, we kind of sit in front of the couch, play this game called Aggravation, which is like moving marbles around a board mm -hmm. with different colors, which was like a staple of our family. Uh, have some sort of Christmas special on the TV in the background, like Charlie Brown or uh, Edward Scissorhands or something, something that's festive. And uh, just really enjoy each other's company and talk, catch up with family and maybe open a present or two before the night's over. Sounds a lot more wholesome than... What I, what I have to look forward to every year. Oh, I, don't, I didn't say I, I celebrate it this way this year. That's just what I experienced back then. Right, right. No, my family is crazy. So it's just chaos. Christmas Eve is literally chaos. I mean, 
wrapping paper everywhere, people stepping on things, wine getting spilled. Uh, you know, it's it's um it's not as kid friendly as it should be, you know. Do you have that one uncle who goes too far and ends up vomiting on the carpet? <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever thrown up on the carpet, thank God, but you know, just about. Yeah. Um, I- I think I'm just channeling a National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> I wish we could, you know, have the decorum to sit and play a game or, you know, go around the circle and say, you know, what we're grateful for or do something like that. But it's like herding cats, honestly. But for us, beef tenderloin has always been what's served on Christmas Eve for 35 years. That's sort of the when I think of Christmas food, I think of beef tenderloin. They have in in the Santa experience. They have a turkey, and I'm like, they just had turkey. Thanksgiving was only a couple weeks ago. I was thinking the same thing. Maybe they just wanted seconds. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, some of our traditions. I'm not going to get too much into uh, Christmas Day because I'll actually get into that at a later thing. But uh, I have only had one set of grandparents my entire life. My my mom's parents had passed before I was born, so every Christmas we went to my grandparents. Christmas Eve we went nowhere. Uh, we just stay home. But uh, the whole Christmas season, the first Saturday of December, we'd go see the Christmas parade downtown every year. And uh, the rest of the month would very much be filled with me going to practice for the Christmas plays. And um, then it would be movies. Uh, I'm a big movie person, and my family is pretty much the same, especially around the holidays. I'd watch my list of movies that mom and dad weren't really interested in. So I'd watch things like Ernest Saves Christmas and uh, the Santa Claus. And uh, then we'd get together and watch Christmas Vacation and Scrooged and movies like that and uh, Christmas Story. And then whenever I got older and I got my Nintendo 64, although it had nothing to do with Christmas, every Christmas Eve, I would play GoldenEye beginning to end uh, until I did this four years in a row. And then I got 007 status on every one of the uh, the save files. And that's when I stopped doing that. But uh, that was kind of our usual Christmas traditions throughout the Christmas season until uh, Santa or Christmas Day. But we'll, we'll get to that later. I was going to say nice callback, by the way, because uh, we talked a little bit about GoldenEye in our third Patreon episode. Mm-hmm. You, I was just going to say um, Metal Jesus Rocks. He's a YouTuber, mm-hmm. retro gamer YouTuber. He plays Mario 64 every Christmas day. So you're not the only one that um, has sort of a similar tradition. My favorite Christmas movie, actually, besides the Santa experience, this probably is my favorite, but other than that, it's always been um, Jingle All the Way. Mm, that is a good one. I like the commercialism of it, like people fighting for toys. Yeah, especially uh, that elusive Turbo Man that is very similar to like Tickle Me Elmo or Furby or, yeah. you know, the hot item of the year based on the news reports. I always, it annoyed me watching that because I was like, what he should do is just buy Booster, you know, that pink thing that's like the sidekick or the villain, like buy one of the other ones and then, you know, say like, oh, I got, I, I thought that was Turbo Man. Like I, I got the wrong thing. Sorry. You know. Either um, that or buy up all the villains and Blackwell, everyone else who got Turbo Man, if they need the villain to complete the set, they, he can extort them for thousands of dollars and then use that money to buy a Turbo Man. Well, Booster was a really ugly 
<laughs> I mean, I, I'm just thinking pie in the sky. I don't know if it'll actually work. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Jingle All the Way is my favorite. And at school, one of the professors um, worked on that movie. It was shot here in Minnesota. Um, oh, you know, cool. It's place at the, you know, the Mall of America is where the um, shopping mall scene takes place. And uh, he said that... Um, Sinbad was the nicest guy and that uh they got new pages like every day the script was constantly being rewritten. Oh my goodness. It's a lot to juggle. What's your favorite Christmas movie, Brett? Uh I got to go with Home Alone 1 and 2. That's a staple for me. I really mm-hmm. love the antics. I I really identify with Kevin just being afraid of the world and overcoming his challenges of interacting with adults when his parents aren't around and just it has a lot of heart to it. I really appreciate both of the first two ones. Third one, not so much. And anything beyond that, I pretend doesn't exist. So if you uh, if you need a rousing uh, round of Christmas hijinks, definitely watch Home Alone 1 and 2. And um, Michael Barona, who plays Big Pete, is in both of those. So that's a nice little Nickelodeon tie there. Wow. Um, you are Kevin McAllister in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, aside from the glasses, yep. <laughs> um, Alex, what's your favorite out of all the ones that you mentioned or one that you didn't mention? Well, that depends on which genre we're talking about. Uh, it's like asking me, uh, what's my favorite movie? There's so many different genres. And same with favorite Nickelodeon show. If we're going non-traditional Christmas movies, Die Hard. Mm. If we're going traditional Christmas movie, uh, it would be a tie for Elf or Christmas Vacation, depending on which spectrum of comedy we're going for. And if we're going for black comedy, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Okay. All great choices. I love Christmas Vacation myself, too. Yeah, I do, too. I haven't ever seen the other two. I can't believe I've never seen Die Hard. All right. Well, we're going to get to our last little chunk of the episode before we cut to our commercial break. So back to Rugrats. Later that night... A concerned Angelica asks her father if Santa brings coal to bad kids instead of presents, to which Drew delightfully confirms her suspicions. Angelica asks her Cynthia doll if Santa can really know about the trick that she played on Phil and Lil. She falls asleep, telling herself she'll be fine. In the next scene, Angelica wakes up to witness presents huddled around the entire perimeter of her Christmas tree. Drew announces they are all for her, princess, to which she excitedly responds by tearing open every box. However, Santa was wise to her misdeeds, and so every present was fully loaded with black, chalky coal, much to Angelica's dismay. Angelica can't believe her eyes, but then a booming, deep voice replies, reinstating how both Phil and Lil got what they wanted for Christmas, while the mysterious and creepy portrayal of Santa dumps a fresh load of train fuel all over her, triggering her to wake up from her nightmare. She screams. (laughs) Yes. She screams and asks her father if it's Christmas, to which he replies, not yet. Luckily, Angelica still has time to right her wrongs before Santa pays her a visit that night. And then we've reached the end of the first half of this episode. What do you guys think of the uh, Christmas nightmare sequence that just took place? Scary. Yeah, I thought it was pretty creepy. It's like, I I, I know it doesn't happen for very long, but it feels very akin to like some of the other creepy tropes that are associated with uh, Rugrats, like... uh, 
her her brother her fake brother big boy pickles or like the monster under the bed it's just i think the voice and the fact that we don't see his face at all while he's talking to her really amplifies the the scariness and of course the high angle or the low angle as well when you're just like looking up at him towering over you as if he's gonna like drop something on you and in angelica's case she did so um rugrats has a very very uncanny knack to like instill dread in in its viewers through its imagery and uh it's very consistent with it especially in unusual instances like a holiday special I mean, to me, that is like a kid's worst nightmare, or one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Excited on Christmas morning, and then it's nothing but coal, you know? They really knew how to, like, tap into the psyche of children. Probably because uh, Klasky and Supo had uh, kids at the time they conceived of this show, so they were drawing directly from experience. By the way, I, I wanted to mention earlier, I love it when... She's talking to Phil and Lil respectively and being like, what would, you know, your twin want for Christmas? And Lil's like, another rep part off to be its friend? No. A rep part on my sing-along record? No. I know. A rep part surfboard? No. <laughs> yeah, she she does that quite a bit in this episode where she's like tame for the few first yeah. little bits and then loses her temper then explodes. I never found this particular the nightmare sequence. I never found it scary. Uh and and I had mentioned this in our uh scariest Rugrats episode that uh, I don't think I ever found anything in Rugrats particularly frightening. But I especially relished moments whenever Angelica was getting her comeuppance, even if it was in a dream sequence. So whenever this uh, sequence took place in season two, I was like, yes, you get, get the call. That's all you deserve. And then I was so <laughs> upset to find out that it was a nightmare. And I was like, oh, come on. This would have been a perfect place to end the episode and go on to the next story. That is so interesting. So you really wanted her to get punished. Yes, for every little torment of thing that she's done to the others, yeah, she deserves coal and nothing else. See, if I experienced her nightmare nowadays, I'd just be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna make a barbecue now. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the free fuel. <laughs> Lemons into lemonade. I, I never watched Rugrats hoping that she would, you know, fail. I just always really respected her, you know. Oh, I couldn't stand her. I'm kind of half and half. I don't like her sometimes, but sometimes she has like a, she has good intentions, but uh, it really depends on the episode. So yeah, very much we'll, so. We'll flesh that out more after the end of this. All right. Well, for now, we are going to cut to a commercial break. Got a couple interesting things for you slimesters. So check, check out what we've got coming up and we'll see you in just a couple of minutes. Don't forget to refresh that eggnog. <laughs> Rugrats will be right back. Nickelodeon wants you to know that not all the scenes in Are You Afraid of the Dark are scary. For example, in this scene, just a boy listening to the radio. Okay, skip that. Well, right here, just a girl with a flashlight. Next, okay. Not a bit scary here with the glasses. All right, it's a little scary, but if it wasn't, you'd have no excuse to hide under the furniture. Watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Tonight at 9.38.30 Central, only on SNCC. Saturday on Fox Kids. Stay out of the basement. Why are leaves growing out of your head? 
Because we're serving up a spectacular all-new one-hour Goosebumps special. So eat your veggies before they eat you. Plant that is part animal. Catch a bonus special all-new one-hour Goosebumps Saturday on Fox Kids. The weather is getting colder, the days are getting shorter, and the snow is coming down. This means that Brett and I are going to go back to Nick Jr. to talk about two classic Little Bear episodes with Kristen, the voice of Little Bear. You will only find this episode available on our Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash to gain access to this bonus episode and all of our previous episodes as well. Have a happy winter, and we hope to see you there. You're watching Nickelodeon, and now back to Rugrats. All right, we are back, and Brett, there was actually something pretty significant with how the, uh, and it's quite fitting since we're back from our break, that uh, the episode starts the second half with a new title card. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Normally two-part or double-length episodes in Rugrats uh, don't have, like, an in-between segment or title card. Uh, Normally, it's just, like, Tommy's first birthday at the beginning, and then all the way through, we're just treated to the episode. But here, it had a title card called Later That Day, which confused me as a kid, because I thought it was like, oh, is this a different episode? But no, it's, it's just, like, to show the passage of time that since Angelica's dream I, I presume Christmas Eve morning, um, they got to the cabin, they unpacked, and now this is the second leg of the of the story where she has to wrestle with that that time against running against her so that she can make things right with Phil and Lil. Uh, so I found that interesting that it's not typically present in other double-length episodes, but they chose to put it in here uh, just to help with like the passage of time and keep uh, viewers' bearings intact for the story. So after we have our later that day one-off, we fade in to observe the Rugrats' parents and kids tightly packed in a very 90s-looking dark teal van pulling up a mountainside cabin with big tall windows, a large chimney, and a snow-capped roof. Spike runs across the front of the yard while the others enter their getaway. Everyone disperses throughout the cabin while Betty places her kids down next to her luggage. Angelica springs forth, starting the starting startling the two with the proposition before Angelica can finish, but he lifts up the twins to get them ready to cut down their first Christmas tree. We cut to Grandpa Lou nailing a wreath onto the front entrance, but missing and whacking his thumb. Spike immediately races out of the doggy door, knocking Lou off of his chair, causing him to land firmly on his bottom with the wreath dropping subsequently around his neck. He looks at his sore thumb, and then the camera pans diagonally to Tommy and Chucky witnessing the event from the nearby window. Chucky questions their intentions to capture Santa, but Tommy dismisses his anxieties about the plan. They check various places where Santa could enter the cabin, but they rule out the chimney, for it's too ridiculous of a way for him to appear. Since the... Pickles have all come to this lovely getaway. Has there ever been an experience where the two of you had gone on a winter getaway? Definitely nothing as nice as what they go on. We were talking about before we started how beautiful that cabin is. It's very spacious over here. You should come visit sometime. (laughs) 
ceiling windows and it just looks really nice Brett's um, still in his honeymoon over in that cabin over there i know right that i actually went to one for that um i don't want to go too much into my personal life but i actually did go to a cabin in the mountains and it didn't look as luxurious as the one that i'm in now for this episode for slimesters check it out on youtube for my background but um it, it was pretty cool to be in an actual log cabin where everything's made of wood and you just got the sprawling overlook of mountains and trees everywhere so i highly recommend doing that if you get a chance um other than doing that i say the only winter getaways i've ever experienced is going to my aunt robin and uncle rick's in vermont as a kid because they would they would live on top of a, a mountain they called fat mountain around mount pelier vermont and um we'd just go there every winter to like go sledding catch up with my cousins celebrate thanksgiving or christmas depending on what my family wanted to do and just have a good time and i have a lot of fond memories like playing in the snow there aside from my house i mean i've never been skiing i've never been like i really haven't done a lot of like winter resorts or anything we are we are going to florida on new year's day this year so i mean i do go on winter getaways but i've really never been on one that was like what the pickles went on. Mm -hmm. Well, it sounds like you'll be just like the McAllisters for uh, Home Alone heading to Florida. <laughs> yeah. Hope it hope it doesn't rain. <laughs> Look yeah. better on our honeymoon. Yeah, it did. <laughs> uh, I've never really gone to a winter getaway. Uh, I did have a very different break from tradition, which was <sighs> very welcomed. But um, to go back to what I had said previously, every uh, Christmas we went to my grandparents' house, and I was one of the youngest, and most of my sibling, well, my one sibling and older cousins, they were all considerably older than me, and nobody really wanted to hang out with me, because I'm the smallest one, and nobody really had anything to do with me. They mostly just wanted, the adults wanted to play games, the teenagers wanted to do things together, and I had no one. So I used to, uh, once I was old enough, I would intentionally pack my TV in the trunk of my dad's car, pack up, pack up the PS2, and uh, then I would hook it all up in the basement, and I would spend pretty much all of Christmas afternoon and evening in my grandparents' unfinished basement just playing video games and watching movies, uh, which was very, very nice, because I didn't really want to have to go socialize with people that I have nothing in common with. But uh, there was one year that tradition finally broke and we were hit with a massive snowstorm and uh, every christmas we get together with my brother and his family on christmas morning so with this in mind they came over the christmas eve and spent the night at the house so that way christmas morning it was a blanket all across uh the the scenery you you couldn't there was no road everything was covered and uh, we just spent christmas dad uh, lit the fireplace and we just enjoyed christmas there and then uh, once we were done uh, opening our presents and had breakfast my brother and i got our sleds and we went out in the back uh there we go past our backyard past the woods behind our backyard and into the golf course that's on the other side of the woods and then just went to town on the hills like we do every time it snows and from that point on we never went back to my grandparents we we always just stayed at christmas at our house uh if they went to my grandparents it was on different days other than christmas and uh, that was that was a very lovely year and i i will never forget that year wow so that's a bit of a christmas getaway or winter getaway but still at home it, it was a staycation for christmas 
I feel like you and I are twins, Alex, after hearing that story, because I used to do a lot of that stuff, too, including what, sledding bring, at home. Yeah. Yeah, bringing video games over to other people's houses and sledding. And I even had a golf course down in the backyard of my place, too. I remember I got the Phoenix Saga, the X-Men animated VHSs for the Phoenix Saga for Christmas, and I brought them over to my grandma's on Christmas Eve and just locked myself in her bedroom and watched them <laughs> while everyone else was, you know, at the party. But I think this brings up an important point, too, with Christmas and traditions, which is, you know, it's important to honor tradition, but also you need to know when to break away from those tra traditions and when to also do what you want to do, you know, uh, because there's been a lot of things like for years, my mom had this um, Christmas Day brunch and our house is really small. And so, you know, 25 people in our living room, it's just crazy. And a couple of years ago, we finally just let it go. And um, it was really nice. And we just realized that that was, you know, a tradition that, um, you know, it's time had come. Yeah, there's always going to be a time when traditions need to shift, especially yeah. the more the older we get, the older our families get, and the more our families grow. Right. Uh, so going back to the new winter getaway with the pickles, Chaz is preparing, as stated earlier, a turkey dinner in the oven, while we see Charlotte aggressively talking to her corporate assistant, Jonathan, on the phone about business, as Brett said in her first on-screen role of the series. After that brief moment where Stu thanks Charlotte for joining them on this uh, holiday vacation, we jump to Betty helping Angelica and the twins get into their snow gear so she and Dee Dee can take time to cut down a Christmas tree. Dee Dee shows up with the axe, and they take the kids on a sled to the tree farm nearby. Angelica hopes to talk to Phil and Lil about her amendment to her tricky trade, but she is muffled by her green scarf tightly wrapped around her uh, mouth and neck and very reminiscent of the uh, Ralphie's little brother who can't put his arms down with his giant coat. Uh, <laughs> Spike, of course, is following suit. Once they arrive at the tree farm, Betty urges Dee Dee to pick her tree so they can get it over with. After a moment of indecisiveness, Dee Dee spots the perfectly shaped tree. There it is. And immediately caresses its soft exterior. Betty instructs her to instructs her friend to stand back while Dee Dee turns full hippie and protects the tree from being cut down. Betty rolls her eyes and we move behind them to see Angelica declaring a speech about the history of presence to Phil and Lil on the sled. But before, once again, she can finish, the sled rapidly slides down the hill behind her, catapulting the bundled baby clean into the snow. She rises out of an Angelica-shaped hole with a mound of snow piled on her head. Uh, I, I know that uh, RJ had mentioned that he hadn't really done uh, a lot of wintry things, but uh, do you guys have any fond or funny memories of picking out Christmas trees or going sledding or anything like that? I do. Um, <clears throat> so my, my parents used to go Christmas tree hunting, shopping with us when we were kids, and we'd go to local places because we lived in a rural town in Connecticut. Uh, but I guess after my dad got sick of all the high prices for the trees that he had to cut down, he just decided to have his own Christmas tree farm. So one year he 
he enlisted me and my sister to help him pr- plant like four or five rows of trees in like this flat corner of our two and a half acre yard on the hill and um, grow them up. And I think over the course of like maybe five to eight years, we got maybe four trees, five trees from that, that whole lot. Some of them didn't grow all the way because they had too much like long grass around them, even though we had the mow around them every year. Um, but some of them turned out really well. And there was a certain amount of satisfaction to being able to grow and cut down your own tree and then set it up and decorate it with your family. So I'm very thankful that we had those memories despite all the hard work it took to get there. Well, we, um, my dad growing up, um, volunteered for an organization that had their own tree lot every season. So we would go, um, and hang out while he was working and um it was always really fun to like play inside you know where the tr- like the trees are sort of like there's like a bench that kind of holds them together and anyway it's hard to explain but we would play at the tree lot is basically what i'm saying so i have a lot of memories of that and i mean a lot of memories of sledding and stuff but you know unlike brett but a, probably closer to alex you know where i grew up you know, snow, I mean, snow happened, but not as frequently. So, you know, um, there always was, you know, a couple snow, snows a, a winter, but, um, you know, it wasn't like a regular thing. I mean, I live in Minnesota now and we, I mean, we have gotten pounded for like two weeks. It sucks. And tomorrow we're supposed to get a really bad storm too. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing because I haven't gotten snow yet over in Memphis. We just get rain and cloudiness. You're not going to get very much ever. Uh, I remember when artificial trees had just really started to become a thing uh, because I remember my parents getting pine trees. Uh, I remember getting my dad's blue Ford pickup and going to tree lots and getting a tree. And I was always tasked with watching the tree in the back of the, in the bed of the truck and make sure it didn't fly out or anything. And, um, I remember my dad having to take it out to the garage and trim it down before we would take it in the house. And then you get those pine needles all the way across the back from the back door, all the way to the living room. And then you'd have to put it in the tree stand and water it and all that mess. And I remember the one year that my mom had decided to get an artificial tree. I was very, very upset because I loved the real trees uh and it 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 looked like a stick it it didn't look real it it was just this fake stick with little paper on it no and she tried Building to down con- branches too yes and she tried to convince me that this is going to be so much better you don't have to worry about the watering the plants and you don't have to worry about the uh the pine needles and the smell and the sap on your paint. You don't have to worry about any of this. And we can just pack it up and put it in the attic. And and I I, I wasn't buying it. I, I, I was not happy. I was a kid. And my parents are trying to convince the child in the house that an artificial tree is okay. And um, every, every once in a while, she'd come over and ask, so what do you think of the tree? How does it look? Fake. But we always had a real tree. I still do. My mom just sent me a texted me a picture of it today actually she had put it up we had a flying squirrel get in through our tree one year too (laughs) 
I, I went sledding a lot uh, every time it snowed, and I have a lot of memories of that. But the one that I remember the most, my brother uh, is eight years older than me, and we have very different senses of humor. So it's it's very difficult for me to ever make him laugh. But it's got to be something that really catches him off guard. And uh, we had our track of uh, packed snow from where we had been sledding, and he would go get the snow shovel and would do a pound, this giant mound of snow on the track, so that way we have a ramp. And we would and we would slide down, go up the ramp, and take off. And uh, that was always a lot of fun. But we, we had stacked this ramp up so high that I could literally lay down uh, on the back side of it, and he would go over me. And uh, what I did was, once we got to where that was successful enough that we could actually do this, I, I laid down behind it, and as soon as he went over and he hit the ground and it completely cleared me, I then yelled out the Back to the Future theme song when he hit the ground. <laughs> and that's when he cackled because he wasn't expecting that kind of a response, which made me happy because it's it's very difficult to make my brother laugh. This reminds me of the one of the, well, it wasn't the first Nickelodeon um film that was released in, in movie theaters but snow day you know was mm. a was a nickelodeon movie and um i i can still sing the the hoku theme song <laughs> you're gonna love me anyway and i think it's time for you find another dumb blonde girl um so we could do an episode about a snow day sometime oh yeah i'd be up for that and how that was initially going to be a Pete and Pete movie. Yeah. I wish it was. Really? But it's mm -hmm. still good. Yeah. Watch it again. Watch it again and imagine the characters being Pete and Pete. Pete and Pete had long been off the air, though, right? When Yeah. Okay. Snow Day was, I think, 99 and Pete and Pete ended in 96. Yeah. Parts of Snow Day actually reminded me of Pete and Pete's last episode, Saturday, which actually features a lot of snow in it and all the characters like going through their different plots. That's a great episode. It is. All right, well, going back to Rugrats, back inside the cabin living room, Betty grins sheepishly as Stu helps her remove the fake tree from its canister. In a very creatively directed montage, we get a bird's eye view of everything going on while decorations, dinner, and deemed thumbs are happening. Yes, Grandpa Lou smashes his index finger when Spike startles him from behind, Cut to a beautiful feast adorning the dinner table as everyone chows down. Chucky asks if the traps will work, to which Tommy reassures him they will. Grandpa Lou raises a spoonful of peas but spills them after being interrupted by Spike a third time. He leers at the family companion and lowers his head with guilt. But Grandpa decides to open his heart by extending him a fresh slice of cooked turkey. Pan to the other side of the table where Angelica asks Dee Dee nervously if Santa will bring bad children cold this Christmas. Dee Dee wonders why Angelica has so many questions about bad children, knowing Angelica is a good little girl from her perspective. Just then, Stu notices the kids getting sleepy, and they are promptly put to bed. Angelica's anxiety reaches its peak when she realizes she has run out of time to make amends. Back in the kids' bedroom, Tommy tries to wake up Chucky so they can be ready to catch Santa, but unfortunately Chucky keeps nodding off to sleep, and Tommy soon follows despite his desire to stay alert. 
Uh, what do you guys think of this scene and how it plays out? There's a lot going on. <laughs> Almost too much to keep track of. I mean, you got all the adults talking and eating at the dinner table. You got Chucky and Tommy trying to keep with their plan for when Santa arrives. You got Spike constantly aggravating Grandpa Lou. It's it's a lot, but it's also a lot of fun. And it's one of those moments that does capture the, the chaos that's associated with holiday get-togethers, like uh, the ones we've talked about before. And I like it. Yeah, I, I can only imagine if I went to my extended family on Christmas Eve and said, yeah, we're all going to gather around and sing Christmas carols. They would like, you know, kick me out of the party. You know? <laughs> what a wholesome thing to do on Christmas Eve. Like, we're all going to gather around and sing Joy to the World. My family would be like, yeah, we're all going to gather around and do shots, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they can turn Joy to the World into a drinking game. We the cousins usually do rob your neighbor on Christmas Eve, and um, we finally had to come up with more rules for the gifts. And one of them was no alcohol. Oh wow! Everyone was always just um, you know, their their white elephant gifts were like you know airplane bottles of booze and stuff. So sounds like my family in later years. <laughs> Those little kids weren't even twenty one. It was ridiculous. <laughs> they wanted to get you started early. This is a family-friendly podcast. We can't be talking about booze during Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, for some people, it's synonymous. The two things go hand in hand. I'll give yeah. you that. Uh, to start the, uh, the the final act of the story, we see an angelic ornament with a trumpet turning around suspended from the tree, while, as RJ had said, the adults are singing Joy to the World from their Deck the Malls sheet music. Charlotte continues to banter on the phone to assert her dominance as a working businesswoman. Yes. Meanwhile, Chaz sneaks away into a back room where he changes into a rented Santa outfit. Angelica mopes on by, plagued by her situation. Chaz reappears in the doorway and carries a big bag of presents with him outside. Cut to Drew calling an acting agency for a professional Santa and it is now where we know where the episode title came from because that business was called Santa Experience. After a quick chat, one is confirmed to be on their way. We then head into a family room where Grandpa Lou is fast asleep in his recliner with the holiday bells ringing jubilantly on a 12-inch tube TV. Angelica laments of her missed opportunity to make her misdeed right. We then see her perk up upon hearing that she can talk to someone who cares <laughs> from an off-screen ad from the TV. Angelica swiftly picks up the phone, dials the number incorrectly. What was the number, RJ? 555-5555. You got it. <laughs> it was supposed to be 555-YULE. After she had called and demands that she begin to demand that she talk to Santa when speaking to a clueless mechanic. May I speak to Santa Claus, please? Huh? I need to talk to Santa right away. It's very important. Uh, I think maybe you got the wrong... Let me talk to Santa! Angelica persuades him to play along, and he reintroduces himself as Santa on the phone. She shifts her tone to act polite, but the mechanic slash Santa responds that she is on the bad list. Angelica droops down, drops the phone, and proclaims facing her fate how 
her future as a kid is over. And uh, RJ had actually asked earlier if uh, we, if I ever did the naughty or nice list. Uh, Brett, did your parents ever deal with the naughty and nice? I mean, I, I mentioned it a little bit before. Um, I think the extent of the naughty list, if me or my siblings happened to get on it, or even my rel relatives who are our age, uh, we didn't get coal or anything. We would either get clothing mm -hmm. or just nothing. So it wasn't as harsh as the the legends make it out to be. So um, okay, do you? <laughs> what? My, I just remember my my dad always pushed things a little step further. Uh, I never had coal. That was never a thing. But yeah. my dad always wanted to make sure because I was always so excited on Christmas Eve that I was struggling to fall asleep for the longest time. And my dad had warned me, if you get up and you come into the living room while Santa's in there, do you know what Santa will do? He will throw pepper in your eyes. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks. God. Thanks, Dad. What in God's name are you doing? Why, I'm just trying to spread a little Yuletide fear. My parents would, would let us wake up so early. It was ridiculous. Like, we have a home movie from one christmas and the time stamp is like you know 5 45 a.m or something like that you know because we were so excited they should have given us like melatonin or something before we went <laughs> yeah right i'd take that open them up until like 10 o'clock in the morning but i was really concerned about being on the naughty or nice list i mean that for whatever reason that and i don't know if it was from watching this particular program or what it was but i was it was something i was very concerned about was there ever any presents that you wanted to get but never did yeah all of them <laughs> <laughs> i forgot anything that i asked for we didn't do nothing wrong we still got the shaft because everything i asked for i mean you know it's just i always wanted really expensive you know big ticket items you know yeah you sound like me what what I used to do is like I get the Sears catalog from the department store uh, and just yeah. flip through and say, okay, I want this and this and this and circle everything I wanted and then just showed it to my parents and they're like, I don't know if Santa can manage to carry all that in his bag for just you. There's other kids in the world who need presents too, son. So uh, maybe you'll get one, two if you're lucky. Like I think the budget, the present budget per child was like, between a hundred and a hundred and fifty dollars, something like that, you know. And I would ask for like an Xbox and you know ten other things, you know. The Xbox alone blew the blew the um, budget, you know. Well, well, that's where the lawn mowing money from the summer comes in because you can send it to <laughs> Santa and you can expedite it. <laughs> I need more God, I wanted Pokemon Red so bad one Christmas, and my mom thought that my step uncle, not my step uncle, my god uncle, was gonna get it for me, and so she didn't buy it as like a Santa Claus present. But he didn't. He got me something else because he thought she was gonna get it. Oh no! <laughs> so the one thing I wanted that Christmas, Pokemon Red, was not underneath the tree. Man, so if I known you, known you back then, I would have given you my copy because I had that. This was right, I mean, this was very soon after it had come out, um, but, um, you know, I had gotten money, too, from someone, so we just went and bought it a few days later. You know? I felt like I was behind 
all my other friends, they were like way ahead in the game because they had gotten it sooner. Brett, what about you? Oh man. The first thing that comes to mind is Power Ranger Zords because I was often Zord envy of my neighbor Ryan who lived in front of me at the time who had all the better things right when they came out. And I just wanted them because I love playing with robots and things that transform at the time. Uh, so more times often than not, I didn't get those, but a few times I did. Um, I got the Super Train Megazord. Well, actually, no, my brother got that one, and I played with him with that because uh, he was kind of into Power Rangers at the time because I got him into it. Um, none of the none of the originals though. I think I got the the Thunder Megazord one year. No, no, <laughs> listen to this. My parents didn't know about this, and neither did I. And I was kind of upset about it because my my friend Ryan had like the the Thunder Megazord from season two of Power Rangers, and I really really wanted it because I loved how the Red Dragon Zord looked. But um, my parents got me the Assault Team, which was the four other Zords that attached to it, and nothing else. <laughs> so I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? They have to combine. That's part of the appeal. Um, I can't just like roll around the little the little lion zord and the unicorn and the griffin and the firebird and all that crap. But um, you know, eventually, after a little bit of whining, <laughs> my mom took me to the toy store, Toy Works or Toys R Us, one of the two. Uh, used some of my money that my grandma gave me that I saved up, and I ended up getting the white tiger zord instead, which. My friend Ryan did not have at the time, and I was really excited because I found out that the White Tiger Zord combined with the Assault Team Zords, so it made the the Super Mega Tiger Zord, and that thing was like double the size of the Thunder Mega Zord. So of course, when I went to his house and showed him this thing that was like two, three feet tall, I'm like, now who's got the better Zord? <laughs> <laughs> and I felt really good as a kid that day. Once again, Brad I always did. ends up coming up on top. I mean, he he jipped me out of a lot of good pogs, so that was that was my karma. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> yes. There's a photo. They did get a picture of me opening a super Nin- opening the Super Nintendo, um, and you know they must have known that you know I would be super excited because the picture's really cute. Like I just open it, and my face is like. <laughs> yeah, that that reminds me of when I got the Sega Genesis bundled with Sonic Two for one of my earlier Christmases. I think it was like 1992. Played that thing nonstop with my dad and my sister until like New Year's Day. The two-player mode is so much fun. Well, while we're talking about Power Rangers, and maybe you guys have covered this on the podcast, obviously we need to, um, you know, recognize the recent death in our family with. Um, yeah, Jason David Frank. Jason rest Frank. in peace. Um, I, I really am. I just was shocked when I heard that news. I have we all were. Memories of him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, of course, uh, we're thinking of him and his family during this mm-hmm. time. And his fans. And I know that uh, Ready to Retro had done a, a, a big episode dedicated solely to that. Uh, I wasn't able to be a part of it, but I know that yeah. Brett was. And um, it's, a, it's a great little tribute. So anyone who's obviously a big fan of Jason David Frank, go, go check that episode out. Agreed. We also did a reel on um, our Splattech page too to like act as a memoriam for him. So mm-hmm. if you guys haven't seen it yet, you know, give it a watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to go back to the uh, things that I didn't get, uh, which uh, it's not going to be really elaborate, uh, but I was very fortunate. Um, I was a pretty laid back kid. I was happy with just about anything. Um, the only thing I didn't want was clothes. 
I wanted toys, toys, movies, and games, and I'm happy. Uh, but I do recall that there was two items that I asked for every year, and I was always told to make a list, make a list of things that more than you know you'll get. So I know I'm going to get some things on this list, but not everything. But there were two items. Uh, one of them was a 2XL, uh, which was that robot that uh, you could put the cassette tape in and it would play the choose-your-own-stories or trivia questions. Uh, I asked for that like three or four years in a row. And uh, the other item that I always asked for was, this was back in 92, the Fisher-Price 3-in-1 tournament table because this was uh, a tennis table air hockey table and pool table where the they had that little sleeve that was at the top and you could take the mm-hmm. table out turn it upside down it would be another thing that was one of the ones i wanted for christmas that i saw in the sears catalog presenting the fisher price three-in-one tournament table breakfast is ready one more ball mom where a simple game of pool is just the beginning Soon, it explodes into an all-out tournament with table tennis balls flying. Dinner's ready. And a glide hockey game so fast and furious. Good night, boys. There's no telling how long you'll play. One more. The Fisher-Price three-in-one tournament table. Table tennis, hockey, pool. Batteries not included. Uh, I wanted that. I asked for that thing three, four years in a row. Never got it either. Uh, probably a good thing because my parents knew how competitive my brother and I were. We would end up tearing the table up or getting angry with each other. So why why is decision on their part? But I would have I would have played with that two XL all the time. I uh, the new thing now that my my friends that are parents tell me, and you can tell me, Alex, if this resonates with you is they now do something you want, something you need, something you'll wear, something you'll read. That's the four like categories, you know. That was something uh, something very similar whenever I was uh getting into high school and uh starting to go into college uh because it was obviously we we didn't do the the, the Santa thing when the older I got, but um it was still what are things that you want? What are things you need? And what are things that will help you uh, going into school and college and things like that? So there was still quite a bit of that. I managed to convince my parents to get me an art table uh, that way. So that was that was really cool to have my own art table. Very nice. But uh, going back to Rug Rats, Chaz as Santa huffs and puffs as he prepares to reenact Santa's signature entrance into the cabin bearing presents. We quickly cut to someone opening the front door and tripping on popcorn-laden string, signaling Tommy to jump up and dash to the front entrance. Chucky and the twins follow close. We then witness their reaction to Tommy's father, Stu, picking up a stack of presents and placing them under the tree. The group walks over by the tree and the fireplace while Chucky expresses his relief that it wasn't Santa there to scare him. Before Chucky can finish his next sentence, Chas drops into the base of the fireplace completely covered in soot. Chucky panics, clamoring, What do we do, Tommy? What are we going to do? Tommy quickly grabs the fire poker and barricades Santa in. Chaz pounds on the glass for air, and Stu quickly removes the fire poker from the gate's handles. Chaz climbs out of the fireplace, exhausted, prompting the kids to scream in terror and run away and hide. Chaz calls out to Chucky not to be afraid. He takes off the hat and the beard, leading to 
a very tender moment when Chucky runs to embrace him, knowing that he's not an evil Santa. <gasps> Oh, Chucky. <laughs> the adults unanimous, unanimously awe as if they're in full house. Just then, the doorbell rings. Grandpa Lou opens the door to meet the professional Santa from the Santa experience. Drew invites him to greet the children, and Santa proceeds to hand out one gift to every child in the cabin, adding a personal remark to each, passing out the presents. Angelica immediately flings the wrapping paper off of her gift to be delightfully surprised by a Malibu Cynthia dollhouse. Santa then replies to her joy with a profound statement. Sometimes trying to be good is as important as being good in the first place. Santa saunters out of the cabin, claiming that he has another 900 million children to visit tonight. Uh, do you guys rec remember what your reaction was to seeing Santa here when you first saw the episode? My eyes lit up. Yeah. <laughs> I I thought it was, you know, with my little four-year-old childhood brain, thought it was the real Santa. Because just the way he carried himself, the way he spoke, he was very confident and restrained in his demeanor. And I, I, I actually remember Grandpa's reaction saying, Santa! <laughs> more, more prominently. Won't you than... come in? <laughs> yeah, it, it was very distinct. So that, that helped me remember his entrance quite well. I, I wasn't surprised by this. Um, I figured this is where they were going. But by the time this episode came out, I was uh, seven. And uh, I was big into home improvement, and uh, mm -hmm. they had just had an episode on season one, which was in 91, I think, uh, where they had a, a, an episode that was very similar, where uh, Santa, who they thought was Wilson, came into the house. And then it turns out later, Wilson was still across the, uh, the across the fence. Uh, so it was the real Santa. And so by now, I had seen this trope in a couple of other TV shows. So um, I figured that's where they were going with this. But I wasn't any less disappointed. I was just like, oh, they're going to do this. And I was excited to see how this plays out. So <laughs> I, I I thought it was a very sweet moment. I mean, I, I, I don't know what it was. But one year when I was little, I swear in the middle of the night, I heard scraping on the roof and bells and the whole nine yards. And I swear I even opened my window or, you know, pulled back the blinds or the curtains. And there was some thing in the sky i don't know i i still to this day don't know what what i was experiencing but i was not and you thought it was reindeer on the roof no i thought it was santa claus trapped in the heating system and i pictured him wandering around in there trying to find a way out and finally turning himself into sort of this big blob and oozing through the vent covers well, it could be a branch or it could be Tim Allen. Take your pick. <laughs> Not now, Charlie. I heard hooves on the roof. I don't know. Maybe my parents got like a some sort of like thing that you can play and make your kid think that Santa Claus is on the roof. I don't know. I remember uh, one year uh, that my before I was born, when my brother was uh, about uh, four, five, six years old, somewhere in there there was a pretty decent snow on Christmas Eve. It was a very rare occurrence for where we live for there to be snow on Christmas Eve and Christmas day. So my dad had gotten up early enough and 
found a way to put deer tracks in the in the snow. Oh, that's so cool. Uh, how he did that without his, I, I, I don't know, but I just remember uh, that that was a, a thing that the, they had talked about. Now that you say that, I feel like my dad did that too. He like cut out little pieces of wood and just stamped them in fresh snow. Mm-hmm. Man, it feels like we had similar childhoods and we didn't even know <laughs> Are you related to me um, on the other side of my family tree? It might be. You're right, Brett. The, the Santa, you know, the real Santa is just so poised and calm and strong, you know. You really get the sense that he's living in this role, not just like mm-hmm. a mall Santa who's doing it for the cash. Well, to uh, close out the uh, Rugrats episode, we then pan from Tommy and Chucky playing with a spinning top and teddy bear. To Lane fill- gifts, by the way, Evangelical. Yes. Now <laughs> Lane, Lane gifts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, Phil and Lil are trading gifts. Uh, they opened theirs at the same time, revealing a box of crayons and the Reptar space helmet that they got each other by trading their beloved items to Angelica. Uh, the twins recognize the thoughtful sacrifice each other had made, prompting Angelica to show up with their original possessions wrapped up for each of them. Phil and Lil embrace Angelica for her kind gesture, to which she replies, we then cut to Chucky feeling much more relaxed after his encounter with the real Santa, telling Tommy how Santa is not such a bad guy after all. We then mirror this conversation with Chaz talking to Drew, admitting it was the right move to go with a professional Santa. Just then, a guy named Barney Stevenson explains to Drew through a phone call how his car had skidded off the road and can't make the gig. Drew angrily replies on the phone, What do you mean you can't make it? The guy hangs up, grumbles a bit, then continues to watch his Western TV show off screen. Drew tells Chaz of the bad news, but interrupts himself, realizing the real Santa had just paid them a visit. Both him and Chaz are dumbfounded, swish pan over to Angelica, exploring her new dollhouse. Angelica then wonders if there was a car included within the garage, but in place of a car was the dreaded coal. This is when Dee Dee arrives and points out, Angelica, is that a lump of coal? Angelica's eyes widen and looks back at Dee Dee, stunned. We zoom a fade out to a beautiful long shot of the winter cab in the mountains as Santa flies across the top of the screen, leaving a Merry Christmas sign twinkling in the sky. Credits roll with some festive Christmas music. End of episode. Whew, that was a doozy. It's a magical final tableau, you know, with Merry Christmas. I remember watching, Brett did a, a, a watch party for it a few years ago on Christmas Eve. And you must have done it later because I, I was already at home from our family, um, the family thing that we do on Christmas Eve. Um, and I remember getting emotional just because, you know, this this episode has always sort of been a part of my Christmases. You know, I, I think of it as just sort of synonymous. Yeah, those Christmas wash parties were, were pretty special because when we were all under COVID lockdown, we didn't really know what to do with ourselves. And I just felt the need to like, play some 90s Nickelodeon shows because that's what I tend to do in groups of people whether it's on or offline and I really appreciate just 
connecting and bonding with people over doing something so simple as that. And I know you suggested that I do that for the for the watch party theme then. So I'm, I'm glad you got to be a part of it, RJ. It was so much fun. I miss those. I know they were a lot of work for you, but yeah. Well, think of this podcast as the successor to it, because with Alex and my powers combined, we've created Splat Attack using Buddy Television and 90s and exclusives. Buddy Television, that's right. Oh, wait, Alex, I have to tell you this funny Brett story. So one time he's about to tell, he's like introducing an episode, and he's like, enjoy the next episode. And if you don't, enjoy it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was narrating the the presentation as like Mystery Science Theater 3000 style. If you don't enjoy it, enjoy it anyway. If I'm not back in five minutes, just wait longer. And uh, I know, Brett, you had a note about the uh, voice actor for the uh, real, not the real Santa, but uh, Barney Stevenson. Mm-hmm. What is your note for that? Uh, I took note when I was doing the show notes for this episode that... Uh, Tony J does the voice of Barney Stevenson, who's the Santa who couldn't make it to the Pickles cabin. Uh, turns out he's also the voice actor of Dr. Lipschitz in the series, which if you listen closely, you can see similar like deep tones involved there. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thought it was interesting that there's essentially three different Santas present in this episode. There's the real, well, real as in mall Santa. There's this Santa, the real Santa, that's considered dream Santa in the credits. Uh, credits, and then there's the nightmare Santa that Angelica encounters. What does the, the when he says, "Who was that?" Drew is when that episode of Rugrat, not Rugrats, of um, of uh, Rocco's Modern Life, the the Halloween one, where at the end they're like, "Who took these pictures?" <laughs> Just a gosh darn minute. Who took those pictures? That twist creeped me out as a kid when I first watched it. It's yeah. funny now, but it's it right. Who's the hopping Hessian? No, he was there, so we don't know. Well, for the Santa experience, what are your final thoughts and rating for the episode? I just think it's an incredibly well-written piece of television. You know, it works well on so many different levels the messaging of it is really really great family um intention you know trying to be good um trying to be a good person um and just the magic of christmas that there's nothing else like it you know being able to be with your family and um it's really it's so well done i would love to talk to the writer of it and sort of see what his thought process was putting it together because again i just think that it's um perfectly written so on a scale from a through a through f or s double s triple s which is above all right excellent what would you rank this episode the highest i could give something Triple S. It's quite exceptional. I mean, it's Alrighty. a classic Nickelodeon. I mean, I don't, I, I don't, when I think of like the definitive episodes from all of these shows, you know, Santa Experience would be in the top five for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, for like 90s Nick Christmas specials, you mean? I would say not even just specifically Christmas. I would okay. say just looking at the five. I mean, I know that's like a huge category, but like the top five episodes of... Um, of Rugrats or just oh, oh, the 90s, top five Nickelodeon? 90s Nickelodeon. Oh, wow. Nickelodeon. Okay. Alex, you? I really love this episode. Um, I, I stand by the first three seasons of Rugrats is top tier Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like season two, I mean, season one, they came out uh, running. Uh, season two, they took it a step farther. And um, as much as I love Christmas, uh, I love Halloween, but Christmas is my absolute favorite time of the year, despite cold and I'm, how much I hate cold. Uh, I love Christmas. Uh, it is my end all be all. Uh, but the thing about Christmas is the Christmas specials can get really hokey and hammy, uh, even more so than sitcoms tend to get. Um, and either that or they go the complete opposite direction of things that you would normally see. Uh, as much as I love Doug, the Christmas special episode, it's it's rough and uh, it's very out of tone for what they would normally do. Or you would see a bunch of Disney Christmas specials where... You have your main characters who are usually very nice and good. Now they've got this different type of attitude where they're not so nice to, quote unquote, learn a lesson by the end of it. Um, it, it happens quite a bit. Uh, that That's usually the play uh, of uh, either super sweet or very, very different. Rugrats has got that. It, it, it threaded the needle for this one. Uh, while Angelica was... At the base of it, she's still being very selfish. The whole reason she's being nice is to get presents. It's still a very selfish thing to do, but that fits for Angelica. Uh, she's still somewhat learning a lesson, but still stemmed with greed. And then she gets some repercussion of it by the end of it. It's not just a, oh, well, it's okay. All is forgiven. No, you're still getting a point. You're still getting a message. Uh, not something that they would normally do for Christmas, but it's it's fitting for this show. And I really think that this is, uh, much like RJ, top-tier uh, Nickelodeon, and I give this episode triple S. It's funny that you bring that up about Angelica, because I think that they... With the writing of this episode, they really try to draw a parallel between Charlotte and Angelica. Because you see that Charlotte is also always working towards some final goal, you know, Mm. career, commercialism, money goal, right? Mm. So, you know, again, even though Angelica's, you know, in a way trying to be a better person, she's trying to do it so that she either doesn't get coal and or gets more presents. So you really see that entrepreneuristic. And she's also a toddler. So she's still learning how what all this is to begin with. So of course her, her motives are still going to be very uh, self-serving. But she does have some reflection. Or I think that you realize she's going to have some reflection from getting the, the one piece of coal um, yeah. in the garage. You know. Oh, I didn't <laughs> get away with it completely. She doesn't immediately maybe let that that might take a couple days to sink in, but she's going to realize that that was a hint from Santa Claus. Like, you know, you, you know, you're a good girl, but you're not all the way good. You know, I saw what you did. (laughs) Yeah. 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 
I'm not I'm not going to retread anything that either of you guys talked about because you were pretty thorough in analyzing why it's an exceptional episode or, or outstanding, I guess, is the highest rating. Um, I really enjoy Rugrats Santa Experience because I have a lot of nostalgia for it. I definitely saw it when it first came out, and I've often come back to it growing up. It, it often shuffles around in my top three along with Rocco's Modern Christmas and Arnold's Christmas. All three of them have a very different tone where like Rocco is very zany and Arnold's very sad and somber and heartfelt. And I think this Rugrats one strikes a perfect balance between those two's like tones that they set for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, I really love the family togetherness of this one. I, I connect with like all the things that they experienced because I experienced that to some degree with my family in terms of like wanting to be good to get better presents or trying to just meander through all the chaos of what's happening and waiting anxiously waiting for Santa to arrive on Christmas Day. So because because I'm able to still view this with, you know, even, even with nostalgia goggles taken off, I just have a fondness for how well it's written how well it's animated how well it captures the spirit of christmas without going too far in any direction with like certain plot points uh i'm gonna actually give this a triple s as well splatceptional so we have our fifth perfect episode to raise into the splat attack pantheon it's a christmas miracle Well, thank you guys for rating it. That was a lot of fun to go through the episode with you and uh, relive the the holiday memories all over again. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, Alex, for reading the synopsis for me. It sounds like my my voice is steadily coming back. Happy to do so. Thank you. Yeah, Alex needs to be a voiceover artist. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna move on to our segment of the day. Uh, shout out your lungs out. I polled our Slimesters over on Instagram, which 90s Nick Christmas episodes are their most favorite? And here's what some of them have to say. So running right off with uh, our friend Manny from Humbly Artsy, he also says Rugrats the Santa Experience. And he adds, I love seeing that log being rolled at the front door, LOL. <laughs> I guess the trap Santa. <laughs> that was good. Um, ben Bink 888 Angelo's Hardy, Jasmine, who's uh, been on our podcast before, also say Rugrats the Santa Experience, and they did not elaborate. Uh, we have Dikush, uh, D-E-K-U-S-H, who appreciates the Rugrats Hanukkah special, and she adds, a Macca baby's got to do what a Macca baby's got to do. <laughs> so n- nice little quote there. appreciate that. Our friend uh, Greg, Slimy's Dream, who's been on episode B8 uh, of our podcast, along with Neon Cubicle 93, Marley Mook and Jeffrey Carr all list Arnold's Christmas as their favorites, which rightfully so. That's a very powerful episode. Uh, we have Jay Covino 3, who actually likes Doug's Christmas story. So there is a fan base out there for that one. Tyler Spicknell, he says he likes Rocco's Modern Christmas, which, cool. I like that one too. It's in my top three. TMC1517XX says, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Oh Christmas Pete. Which, you know, it, it, it's, uh, I wouldn't say it's a hidden gem, but it's it's off the beaten path for a Christmas special. 
Yes, it's a great one. It's got some fun moments to it for sure. Uh, Lollipop underscore 986 says, the All That Christmas episode featuring Rum DMC. Uh, Ali Mander, our friend who was on our holiday special last year, uh, says Son of Stimpy, a.k.a. Stimpy's first (laughs) fart. And our friend Cortland, who was on that holiday special last year, also mentioned that one. So that's that's pretty cool. It's it's a good one worth revisiting. And I have plans to cover that eventually. So when we get there, we will. <laughs> Jose1604 Diaz says, all the Nicktoon specials. Man, I guess he just couldn't pick one. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> and lastly, AKA Alfie says the Roundhouse Christmas special, which is definitely a hidden gem. I yes. remember watching that last year for my very last Buddy Television episode, which was also a Christmas special. And we just had a ball, you know, laughing at the jokes that they rapid fired at us. And the the song at the end, I think is called Peace, Peace Will Bring, something like that. It was really sentimental. So good choice. All right, that was our Shout Out Your Lungs Out segment. And if you Slimesters ever want to share some of your favorite answers with us, uh, you know, let, it, let us know via email. You don't have to necessarily wait till I do a poll. Uh, you can email us at splatattack2021gmail.com. Like our friend Tyler, which we'll get to with his letter for Mona's Mailbag. Okay, so for Mona's mailbag, uh, sorry, I didn't mean Tyler. I meant Travis. <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we have a fan who's named each of them. But this is our, our longtime listener, Travis Kemp, who's been on the podcast through letters in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wrote to us about our favorite 90s holiday specials that we did last year for Christmas in season one. And here's what he writes. He says, hey, Brett and Alex. I thought I'd let you know that I watched your episode about favorite 90s holiday specials last night on November 30th was the day he watched it. And it was a lot of fun. Your guests had some really good picks on what their favorite specials were. You had me at the Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special, as well as Merry Christmas, Mr. Bean. Some honorable mentions are Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire, aka the very first Simpsons episode, the first Christmas episode of Double Dare featuring the Razzles and the Griswolds, and Inspector Gadget Saves Christmas. What are the holiday specials I love revisiting from childhood? I would have to say A Muppet Family Christmas, which aired on Nickelodeon in the 90s, as you may know. Mm -hmm. And, of course, A Charlie Brown Christmas. If nothing else, that special gave me my first exposure to jazz, as I'm sure it has for many of us as well. Thanks for your time. Have a nice day, and stay jazzy. Travis Kemp. Thank you, Travis. Thank you so much for your continued support and uh, feedback and uh over on Twitter, he or uh, Instagram, he usually reshares a lot of our previous episodes. So thank you, Travis, for all of your support. Uh, I particularly appreciate Travis for actually answering the closing question. Truth be told, we don't get too many responses to those, but when we do, it just makes me happy because you know I, I take the time to write all those out. So thank you, Travis, for being a super oh, fan. It means people are listening, which is good. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, take us home, Brett. All righty. Time to crack my knuckles and put away all this wrapping paper. <laughs> How do you celebrate Christmas Nickelodeon style, Slimesters? Let us know via email at splatattack2021 at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at splatattackpodcast or even leave us a comment in our comment section of the episode on YouTube. We're at Splatattack Podcast, so there are plenty of ways for you to connect with us. And of course, thank you, RJ, for joining us today. Before we go, is there anything you'd like to plug? 
Yeah, I'd love uh, if everyone could check out the reality show that I'm appearing on, Theality TV, and we're streaming on Broadway On Demand, Deku, and Fearless. And uh, you can get those, obviously, on your computer or download those apps on your smart TV and stream it right in your living room. It's a reality show about the making of an off-Broadway musical. So, um... It's a perfect, it's that perfect binge show between Christmas and New Year's, you know, when no one knows what day of the week it is. <laughs> it's a, great, uh, a great pick for that time of the year. Sounds great, RJ. Love it. All right, Slimesters, tune in next time when we pack up our decorations and carry them into the deep, dark, doom-filled basements for our next Are You Afraid of the Dark versus Goosebumps episode between The Tale of the Dark Music and Stay Out of the Basement. This has been a much requested topic by our Slimesters, so we're excited to finally pit these two stories against each other and find out which one will escape the dark recesses of our house after the dust has settled. We will also be having a guest judge for this episode, so you don't want to miss to see who it is. With all that being said, Alex, will you drain the slime tank for us, please? Angelica needs help assembling the deck on her Deluxe Cynthia Beach House toy, and she told me she'll give me a Reptar space helmet for my Reptar doll if I lend her a hand. Aye, aye, co-captain. Slimesters, be sure to set out your traps for Santa. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Splatmas, everybody! Remember to check your stockings and presents for Cole, because some of us have been naughty and some of us have been nice. <laughs> if you don't like it, dial 555-5555 and complain to Santa, who put you on the bad list this year. Tell you what, that guy, that... The guy who worked at the mechanic shop or wherever he works. Um, Cogs Unlimited. He really he really got her, you know. He got yeah. her back, you know, by bothering him uh, at work. Yeah, I love that part so much. <laughs> yeah. Alright guys. Bad list. Alright, Merry Who's Christmas. Who's bad? Oh. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy me. It's good to see you as usual. Yeah. Thank you for being here, RJ. And thank you, Slime Shows, for tuning in. Bye. Good night. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What do we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on there. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye bye. Call 1 800 555 Yule and talk to someone who cares. Five, five, five. Five, 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 five. Cogs Unlimited. Uh, may I speak to Santa Claus, please? Huh? I need to talk to Santa right away. Uh, I think maybe you got the wrong... Let me talk to Santa! <gasps> Angelica, is that a lump of coal?